Hey guys, my name is Matt. I am a nurse on a journey to learn what it means to take better care of myself and on a mission to bring as many nurses with me as possible. This is the Restoring Nurses podcast. Thank you for joining me. I hope this episode helps you in some way because that's my goal. So recently I did a couple of blog posts on ways to leave work at work. Now, through my career, I've been in healthcare for 26 years, and throughout that career, I've noticed that one thing that nurses are really bad at is leaving work at work. We have a tendency to carry it home with us. Now, the problem with that is it makes it really difficult for us to be present with our family if our mind is still thinking about things that happened at work. It also makes it really hard for us to enjoy our off time to get that refueling that we need in order to be prepared for our next shift if we're still thinking about something that happened at work, thinking about work stuff on our off time. So in this episode, I'm going to look at 12 different ways that we can leave work at work. These are things that I have done personally throughout my career, some of them that I uh, weren't part of my normal practice, but I think that will be would be great if some of the others don't work for you. All right, so let's get into it. Number one is debrief. Now, these aren't in any certain order. This is just the first one on the list. So what do I mean by debrief? Well, I mean, here's the deal. We see and, in, and deal with things that most people will go their entire life and never seeing. We deal with more death and pain and suffering than most people will ever see in an entire lifetime. Some of our shifts are so heavy. And one way to deal with that is to debrief. Throughout my, my career, there was one person in particular that I often debriefed with. She was a mentor to me. She was my charge nurse when I first moved to the ER, when I first became a nurse. My conversations with her after the shift were just huge in letting me get all of the junk out of my brain and be able to move on uh, with, with my day or whatever. It wouldn't be unusual for us to spend an hour, two hours standing in the parking lot talking through things that had happened during that shift. Uh, or just life in general, sometimes we would leave just not, usually a group of us would leave after the night shift and go to a local coffee shop, and this group of us would spend two or three or four hours there debriefing. It doesn't have to take that long. Now, some of you may be thinking, I can't afford to spend two hours after my shift hanging out in the parking lot. I got to get home. I got to get kids to school. I got you know, some things to do. What's well, cool. It doesn't have to take that long. I've developed a tool I call the five-minute debrief, and it doesn't necessarily take five minutes. Maybe it takes 15 minutes, but it can be done in as few as five minutes. In it, there are three statements, things I did well today, and you want to celebrate the things that you did well, because the reality is even after the worst shift, even when everything seems to have gone wrong, if you take a moment and think about it, you'll realize that there were some things that you still did great because you're an awesome freaking nurse. You've got, got this far in your career, where even if you just graduated from nursing school. You graduated from nursing school. So there are still some things that went well during your shift. You need to celebrate those. So that's statement number one, things that I did well today. Statement number two is things that I didn't do so well 
today. Yeah, you need to acknowledge those because you're going to need to learn from those. You can't learn from them if you don't acknowledge them. But the main reason you're going to write them down is you can write them down and then move on. If you're anything like me, if you don't do it, if you don't do that, if you don't move on, then you'll lie in bed for hours thinking through that thing that you could have done better or thinking through conversations that maybe could have gone a different way, maybe you feel like could have gone better. And guess what? Lying in bed, losing sleep, worrying about these things is not going to change them. It has absolutely zero effect on them, but it has a great effect on you. Or maybe you come home from work and you're sitting down on the couch next to your spouse or your partner and trying to watch TV, but all you can think about is that thing that happened during the day. Write it down during your five-minute debrief, things that I didn't do well today, things that could have gone better today. Write it down and then let it go. And the last one is things that I need to look up before my next shift. This may be a medication that you really aren't that familiar with. Maybe it's a disease process, a diagnosis that your patient or another patient had that you want to learn more about. Maybe it is one of those things in our second statement, things that didn't go well today, that you want to learn more about so you don't make the same mistake again. Now, you're going to write it down for this reason. Not so that you can go home and then look it up. That defeats the purpose of the debrief. You're going to write it down so that you can go home and let it go. Forget about it. Write it down and then move on. And at some point, maybe the next day, maybe the morning before your next shift, whatever it is, then go back, pull out your five-minute debrief, and... Look up that thing that you wrote there that you need to look up. But in the meantime, don't think about it. All right. Write it down and then move on. So number one is debrief. I also recommend that you have a debriefing partner. So this is going to be a nurse. It has to be somebody that understands what we do. So it could be a paramedic or even a tech, but the reality is their roles are, are unique and I'm not saying that they're any better or more or less capable of understanding what we do, but it might be might be helpful if it is a nurse, but it doesn't have to be, okay? Uh, that debriefing partner is going to be somebody that when you've had a really bad shift, you're going to call that person. If you work together during that shift, you're going to look at that person and say, I got to debrief or I need to unload or whatever your code word is, but you've agreed ahead of time that when we say that thing, whatever it is, then we get time after that shift. Okay. Or later that day, if you didn't work with them during that shift, then maybe you're going to shoot them a text during the shift and say, just debrief or whatever. That is their notification that you're going to be calling them later after the shift to debrief from whatever has gone on during that shift. So that's number one. Number two is just don't go home. Now that doesn't mean what it seems like it means. Obviously you have to go home and not going home is not a good way to deal with whatever happened at work. It also is not going to help you um, 
connect with your family, which is the whole point of all of this. The whole reason you want to leave work at work is so that you can be present with your family. You can't be present with your family if you're not present. However, sometimes you need to not go home right away. Now, this could look different for different people. For me, there were times where it meant uh, going to a local park. A couple of parks that one was near the hospital I worked at, one is near my home, where I might go and hang out, maybe walk, maybe just sit on a bench and process whatever it is I needed to process. Another option that I used to do, there was a coffee shop a few blocks from the hospital that to this day is still one of my favorite places to hang out. Some days I would go there for a little bit before going home. This was mostly when I worked, that one was mostly when I was working nights and I knew that by the time I got home, my family was going to be gone anyway, so it was easier to, to do it then. Uh, one, one more option, the church I attended at the time was between the hospital and my home, and this church had property on a lake, so there were some days that I would just go there and park, I'd drive as close to the lake as I could get, and just sit and stare at the lake, maybe get out and sit on the hood. Um, sit on the tailgate in my pickup truck, looking at the lake, maybe playing music, maybe not. But regardless of what it is, sometimes it was just a, a, a taking a different route home that was longer so that I had more time to kind of decompress. And that one can actually work in conjunction. So a lot of these can work together, as you'll see. So number two is don't go home, whatever that might look for you. Number three is enjoy Silence. Sometimes, sometimes leaving work at work for me was putting the windows down, driving home, no music, no nothing, just enjoying the feel of the wind through my hair. Okay, I don't have any hair, but just the feeling of the wind, the sound of the wind, the, the, the silence that came with that. This one can be combined with the previous one of don't go home. If you're going to the park or like me, I went to the church and sat by the lake. And sometimes that would be silence. And I would just enjoy the silence. Number four is turn the music up. Now that kind of goes contrary to the one we just said, where we're going to enjoy silence, but Different times or different things work for different people. Sometimes I would drive home, wind is down, no music. Other times, wind is down, music just as loud as I could stand it. Just blaring, blasting out whatever thoughts were going over in my mind. Again, sometimes I would combine this one with don't go home by taking a longer route, going to the park or to the lake, and listening to music with my headphones I'm old, so we didn't have earbuds, Bluetooth earbuds when I was still working in the ER, but whatever. But anyway, just turning the music up and letting it kind of wipe out whatever, whatever other things, whatever was going on in my mind. Um, number five is journal. Now, this isn't really like a, a dear diary. This isn't, you know, eight-year-old little girl in her bedroom writing a diary about the boy that was mean to her at school it's not you know maybe you do start at dear diary that's up to you however you journal is up to you 
the point is to write stuff down. There's something so powerful about when your thoughts get out of your mind and into writing. I use an app called Day Entry that I can, it's on my phone, it's on my iPad, and I can enter notes in my journal throughout the day. And it syncs up with Evernote, which is a note-taking app that I love. And that's okay. Electronic journaling is cool, but it's just not the same as actually writing it. So number five is journal. Whether it's writing down what's happened that day, being sure to keep it HIPAA compliant, of course, or writing down other things that are on your mind, but whatever it is, just write it down. Get it out of here, get it out of your mind, and onto that paper so that you can be, you can focus on other things other than whatever it is floating around in your head. All right, number six, cry. Sometimes you just got to cry. Uh, what we do is really heavy. People die. Um, having spent so many years in the ER... Uh, I've worked codes on coworkers. I've worked codes on the family members of coworkers. Um, I have worked codes on children, husbands, wives, grandparents, brothers, sisters, you, you name it. Um, and some of them are just really heavy. I remember maybe the worst shift, definitely one of the worst shifts I ever had. I had three people die in four hours. These were my patients in my rooms. Two of them had come into the room talking to me, and they left in a body bag. Um, if you don't have a tear to shed after something like that, then... There might be something wrong with you. Sometimes you just got to cry. That's okay. There have been shifts where I sat in my car crying for a little bit until, until I felt like I was, I got it out and I could go home. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's healthy. And sometimes you just got to. Um, next is Learn. Learn what you need to learn from whatever happened that shift and then move on. The five-minute debrief can help with that. Um, by the way, I'll put a link in the show notes to the five-minute debrief. The document that I developed to help you with that. But learn and then move on. So you're thinking back through the things that went wrong during that day. And the reality is that sometimes you did nothing wrong. Sometimes bad things just happen. But sometimes you did do something wrong. And even when you didn't, sometimes there is something that can be learned from the circumstance. Look for that thing. Look for that list of things. Learn what you need to learn from that moment and then move on. On, because beating yourself up over whatever it is 
It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't undo the thing that happened. It doesn't make you more likely to not make that same mistake or it doesn't make that a similar circumstance not happen again. It does nothing for you. So learn what you need to learn and then move on. All right, next is set boundaries. What do I mean by that? Well, it may mean that there are certain places and with certain people that you simply will not talk to talk about work. Maybe you agree with your spouse or partner that I'm not going to talk about work with you because I don't want to bring it into this house. Now, that's not to say that you can't come home to your spouse or your partner and say, I've had a really crappy day. Um, I'm just really struggling. Can 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 we just sit? Can I hold your hand? Can we sit out back and have a cup of coffee? Whatever it is. Um, but it may be that you don't share, that you choose not to at home or with your partner or spouse. It may be that you choose not to share those most intimate details, the specifics of whatever it is that's, that happened at work. Uh, because that can that brings it home, which we're trying to avoid. So sometimes you have to set boundaries. Maybe you decide that you're not going to talk to your talk about it at all with your spouse. Maybe you can talk about it with your spouse or partner, just not at home. Maybe you set up a routine with your spouse or partner where you say, "Hey, listen." Uh, maybe you text them debrief. And they know that we're going to meet at this coffee shop. We're going to meet at this McDonald's or we're going to meet, you know, underneath this tree at the park, or we're going to meet down by the lake, whatever it is. And you unload with them there with the understanding that that conversation does not go back into your home. But whatever that boundary is, sometimes you simply have to set boundaries so that you can leave work at work. Next one is plan for tomorrow and then stop thinking about it. If you're a staff nurse, this may mean, well, tomorrow you expect to have the same patient assignment that you had today. So Mrs. Smith, you know that she's going to need. So maybe you're thinking about her plan of care for tomorrow and that's okay. But make that plan and then stop thinking about it. Even if you have to write it down and put it in your work bag, I know you got a work bag, put it in your work bag don't put a name on it. Put a code. Okay. But write it down and then stop thinking about it. If you're in leadership, I think people in leadership are even more prone to this because a staff nurse at the bedside, when we leave at the end of the day, we give care over to someone else and the work continues. In leadership, the work doesn't continue while you're gone. It stops when you leave that day, and it doesn't pick back up until you come back, uh, unless you bring it home. So if you're, you're finding yourself struggling, thinking through these things that you need to do, make a plan for tomorrow. Set some goals, write a to-do list, whatever it is you need to do for tomorrow, take a few minutes, 5, 10, 15 minutes, make a plan, and then stop thinking about it. You've got your plan. If you find yourself starting to think about it, then say, nope. I've made a plan that's for tomorrow. Now, some people say that you can't control your thoughts. 
I've heard lots of people say, well, I can't control what I'm thinking. Now, certainly intrusive thoughts, you can't stop them from coming necessarily. Okay. Because by definition, they intrude upon what is happening in your brain. They are intrusive thoughts. So maybe you can't stop intrusive thoughts from coming. However, when they arrive, what happens next is up to you. So I listen to this podcast frequently, the Dr. John Deloney show. You should really go check it out. It's awesome. Uh, he is a, he's got a couple of PhDs and he's a mental health counselor. I don't know what his, exactly what his history is, but he talks a lot about mental health and relationships and he's just, his show is awesome. Just go check it out. Dr. John Deloney. I'll put it in the show notes below. One thing that he says is this exercise, and I don't remember where he got it from, but think about your driveway of your home or your apartment, your parking space. If you live in an apartment, think about it. Now imagine that there's a pink elephant with purple ears. Now, if you're like me, I see a pink elephant with purple ears in my driveway. Actually, as I was thinking about it at first, I saw it in the parking lot at my soon-to-be daughter-in-law's apartment complex. Because we were there a few days ago loading some of my son's stuff in. Now I can see it in my driveway. If you can imagine that pink elephant with purple ears, even if you can't put together a full picture like I can in your mind, an exact image of it, you can, you can imagine the idea of it, which means you can control that intrusive thought. So when that thought comes in, you start thinking about this thing you need to do tomorrow. You say to that thought, no, that's for tomorrow. (laughs) Dr. John says that sometimes he will walk through his house and actually say stuff like that out loud to himself. And so often that his wife just knows when that happens, what's going on. So you may need to do that. Just out loud say, nope, that's for tomorrow. So make a plan for tomorrow and then stop thinking about it. The next one is put the phone down. Now, if you're driving home, obviously put the phone down. But what I'm talking about here is don't make phone calls. My wife, if she has a long drive home, she loves, even on a short drive home, she literally works two or so miles from our home and she'll call somebody on her way home. She loves to have someone to talk to on her way home. Me, I don't want to talk to nobody on my way home. Okay? Especially when I worked at the hospital. The job was stressful and I just needed that time to decompress. Now, my wife didn't understand that. She wanted, she knew when I was getting off and she would call me. She wanted to talk to me and and understand that. But I finally had to tell her, I was like, listen, I need this time to be able to separate work from home. And when you're on the phone, if I, if you call me during that time, then I immediately mentally go from work to home and there's no transition in between. When I told her that she understood it and she didn't, it didn't hurt her feelings that I didn't want to talk to her on the phone. It wasn't that I didn't want to talk to her. I told her, I said, listen, if you, if you can do this for me, then when I get home, I can be 100% present and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
but just let me have that that break in between during the uh pandemic early on when so many people were working from home after this had gone on for a few months we began to hear reports of people that were experiencing heightened levels of mental health issues because of that exact thing because when your work and your home were still in, were now in the same building then it became extremely difficult for a lot of people to separate what is work and what is home and how do i separate those mentally so that when I'm leaving work, I can be at home when really that means I'm getting up from this room and walking into that room. Or maybe maybe I'm getting up from the dining room table and going into the living room. Okay, and the last one on the list is get a hug. That may not seem like it has anything to do with separating work from home, especially if you're not a hugger. I happen to be a hugger. <laughs> Um, uh, but whether it's that a coworker that you're friends with, um, or you come home and you look at your spouse and say, I just need a hug. It's almost impossible to have these emotional barriers that we put up. And as nurses, there's a certain degree of that that's required. There's some clinical detachment that's required for us to do our job. But <laughs> sometimes we bring that clinical detachment home, and ugh, it just doesn't. It's just not good. But when you're when you have that physical contact with another human being, it's almost impossible to keep those emotional barriers up. It can be that release that allows you to. Stop thinking about work and transition your brain into home. So these are 12 ways that I had came up with or that I have used in my career to separate work from home. But I'd love to hear some things that you have used with success in doing this. So if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below. If you're listening to the podcast, then shoot me an email. And you can email me from YouTube as well, matt at restoringnurses.com. And I'd love to just put debrief in the in the uh, subject line. I'd love to hear what you do to leave work at work that might be different from the ones that I've listed Finally, I'd ask that you take a minute to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Go If you're listening to this podcast and you do YouTube, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. There will be times where I have bonus content over there, shorter things that may not make it into the podcast. Also, visit the website, restoringnurses.com. You can get the show notes here, there, restoringnurses.com slash podcast and you'll see the list of the latest podcast episodes including this one and you can get anything that i mentioned in this podcast will be in the show notes just go check that out and be sure to download your free self-care guide from the website i love you guys thank you so much i want to hear from you if you're a nurse ready to learn what it means to take better care of yourself then connect with me and let's do this together.